Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Ivan Tuttle. And Ivan was dead three hours and had a near-death experience. Hi, Ivan. Hi, Peggy. So you were on Sid Roth. That's awesome. Yes. I, I've done a couple of things with Sid, but yes. Really? It's very cool. So are you ready to tell us your story? Well, just tell me where to begin and what you want me to do, and I'll be glad to. So. Um, you want to start the, like the day of what led up to it and start right there and we can backtrack? Sure, I can lead up to it a little bit if you'd like. What happened is um, I had a, uh, you know, I, I used to be a person that was a person of faith and I just kind of got away from it. Uh, I was in Bible college and I walked away from Bible college. And, and after about seven years of walking away from Bible college, I was just getting involved in all kinds of things I shouldn't have. And got into drugs real heavy, got into bringing drugs into the country. I uh, just did a whole bunch of crazy things. And I used to, this is back during disco time. So I used to disco dance and everything. And I really was just thinking I was on top of the world. And I started getting a pain, a real bad pain in my left leg. And it got so bad, Peggy, that I, I couldn't do anything hardly at all. I went to a doctor and this, this little doctor, he sat there and said, well, he says, I think you have thrombone phlebitis. Now I was 26 when this happened. And when he said thrombone phlebitis, I've never heard that word before. Is that I thought he said clot? something. What's that? Is that a blood clot in your leg? Yes, it is. But he, when he said that, I thought he said I had a trombone in my leg. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't understand. I didn't understand medical terms there. And I just told him that's impossible. Only old people get blood clots. Young people don't get them. And so I just totally ignored him. Tried to go about my day. Uh, about a week or so later, I'm in the hospital. My leg is so swollen and they they couldn't do the normal test on it. They had to do something called a radioactive retrograde uptake on me. They did that and they put you under this big Geiger counter basically and they couldn't see anything floating down in my left leg. Just a few little dots would of this radioactive material, hardly anything would go through. They knew I had a very bad blood clot. They put me in a hospital. I was there for about 10 days. I got released from the hospital and the first thing I did was call some girl up, say, hey, come over to my apartment, man. You know, I, I haven't had any good food, you know, nothing. You no, know, come on over. So she came over. And the first thing I did, of course, have to smoke some pot. And that was my very first thing I had to do, Peggy. And uh, she brought something to drink. It was horrible tasting. I had a sip and that was it. But if you know anything about me, even to this day, it's hard for me to go to sleep before two o'clock in the morning. It just is. I mean, I was a partier and that's, I, I was, there was my mind and my body was what I thought was perfect for partying because ever since I've been a kid, I like staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning, but I only get four or five hours of sleep a night, sometimes six, you know, uh -huh. and if I'm really blessed, I'll get seven. So that night around nine o'clock, I told this girl, I said, I said, something's wrong. I, I, don't, I feel funny. I just need to go lay down. I think maybe too much excitement, you know, smoking pot again for the first time in 10 days, maybe something hit me, you know? And so I go in there and I, I lay down on my bed. Now I had one of those free flotation water beds. I, a lot of people can remember those. Yeah, I do. Those were great. You mm -hmm. know, you, you can rock yourself. You put your foot at the end of the bed and you can rock yourself to sleep in one of those things. It was just such a cool thing. But I had something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy where my heart muscles didn't pump properly. You know, like a heart muscle is supposed to be real flexible and pump. 
Well, mine was like overbound muscles and they didn't want to do anything. And it was hereditary in my family. My, my father eventually died at 56 from it. My oldest sister died from 56 from it. She started the first cardiomyopathy foundation in the world. Uh, cardiomyopathy, uh, the genetic uh, the gene that causes it was discovered in my family. They, when they did the blood test, <clears throat> discovered back in the seventies. So, you know, we, it's real hereditary. So I laid down to go to sleep and they teach you to sleep on your left side, because if you do, it makes it so the blood flows through better. So I did that Peggy and I'm laying there and I'm sound asleep. I mean, I, it, as soon as I, my head hit the pillow, I, I just fell asleep. There was something going on with me and I, I just passed out, so to speak. The next thing you know, Peggy, I'm sitting there and something grabbed a hold of my left wrist and pulled me completely up out of my body. And well, I thought it was me pulling me up with my body at the time. And, and I'm like, what is this thing? Now, back then, I was in really good shape and uh, could hold my own ground. So I started hitting this thing, you know, just within a few seconds. I'm like hitting it as hard as I could. Had no effect on it whatsoever. I took my hand and I tried to turn. I'm thinking, well, this is a bad dream. So I tried to put my hand, you know, to turn the light switch on and my hand went through the wall. And I, th at that point in time, I knew something was wrong. I'm dead. And I turned around and I looked back in the bed. I'm still in the bed. My body is. Mm -hmm. But this thing had a hold of me. And now it's taken it instantly. What happens is when I died, I instantly knew everything. It's kind of hard to explain. But my, when your spirit knows so much more. <clears throat> than your body does, you know, when your brain can't comprehend what the spirit knows. Instantly, when this happened to me, I all of a sudden I knew I'm dead. I'm going to hell. This demon's taking me to hell. And so this demon grabbed a hold of me and started taking me. To, I mean, instant we started traveling. I could hear people screaming. I could see people. You know, every time I looked at someone, I knew exactly what they were there for. Why? What happened? I knew everything about their life. In a split second, you know everything about them. And they knew everything about me, you know. And these, these people are in hell being tortured and, and horrible things are going on. But Peggy, the worst thing about hell that I remember, the absolute worst thing, there's no hope. When I say there's no hope, I mean there's no hope. You're done. It's over with. There's, there's nothing you, you, there's no, in fact, if you jumped out of an airplane at 20,000 feet up and all you have is concrete and rock to land on and you don't have a parachute, you jump out of a perfectly good airplane. And when you land, you're going to land on your head. You have more hope that you're going to get up and walk away and survive that than you have in hell. Wow. There's no hope there. It's gone. There, there's, you're over. You're done. And I knew I was, and I knew that I was being put in my final place. Everybody was in their final place. They just stand there. There's like something's wrapped around them. They can move their feet around. They don't go anywhere. You move your hands and arms around, but you don't go anywhere. You can't go anywhere. You're just stuck for eternity. I saw people that have been there for thousands of years. I saw people that just arrived, people there for hundreds of years, a few years. You know, I, I'm looking at all these people and every reason, you know, you couldn't believe it. I mean, I saw pastors and, and Evangelists in hell, I, I saw, not all of them, I'm just saying a few of them, uh, I, I saw people in hell you just wouldn't believe, you know, good people, 18-year-old girl, 
in hell because she nobody ever told her talked to her about Jesus before. Then she got hit in an auto accident and ended up in hell, you know, because she didn't accept Jesus. So it's the craziest thing when you're in there and you see all of these people, and you know a lot of them had opportunity, but some didn't, you know. And I don't know who you talk to about that, you know. But then as this demon was putting me in my final place, a voice rang out. Now, Peggy, this voice was so loud and so powerful that when this voice rang out, this demon that had a hold of me started to shake. I've been hitting and thought, you know, whatever. I call it a demon. I don't know what you want to call it, but it had a hold of me. And as this voice hollered out and said, <clears throat> You must let him go. It's not his time. I made a promise to his mother. Wow. Instantly, I was released from this. This demon let go of me. He was scared to death of that voice and let go of me instantly. And I went directly to, I mean, it would faster than a second. I was in heaven. I was at the gates of heaven. And that's where I was at. And I was greeted by this very tall angel. Now, you don't go around with a measuring stick or anything, you know, but I'm going to give an estimate that he had to be about seven foot tall. And I say he, cause he looked like a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I just want you to know this. I'm going to say this first. My mother prayed for all of us kids two, three, four times a day. And probably for me more than that, because I was ADHD. So <laughs> I did a lot of prayer because <laughs> Back when I was a kid, it was just you were a bad kid, you know. They didn't understand ADHD. So my mom would pray for me. It, I estimated, I sat down, I thought, well, how many times did my mother pray for me? Uh, so I just did an estimate of three times a day because she prayed for me a lot. And if you do three times, 365 times, 26 and a half, you come up with around 22,000 times she prayed for me. So, and she always used to say that, you know, None of my kids are going to go to hell. They're all going to go to heaven because I, I, I believe what the Bible says. And God made me a promise and it's because it's in his word that if I raise my children right, then they'll never, you know, they'll, if they depart, they'll come back. They'll never leave the ways of the Lord. So my mother believed in that. And thank goodness she did. So, so the combination of it not being my time and that was just remarkable. So do you have any questions yet? No, go ahead. Okay, good. So I, I get to the gates of heaven, this angel standing there, and the angel explains to me that now he had this powerful voice too. It's very soft, but so much power and authority. And he said, Listen, I'm going to take you through heaven. He said, I'm going to show you around heaven. I'm going to show you different things. He said, God wants to make sure that he, you know, he's going to give you some gifts before he sends you back. But what's going to happen is I'm going to show you things in heaven and things about the earth. And I'm like, All right. So we went in through the gates of heaven and this angel said, I had to hold his hand. And the reason why is because I wasn't ready. I hadn't cleaned my life up in order to be in heaven. So if I had, if I had to stay dead, I'd have to go back to hell. So I'm like holding on to this angel for dear life. <laughs> Believe me. And the angel takes me in and I see heaven. I see these beautiful, beautiful buildings. They're like the shiniest buildings you could ever imagine all like a white marble stone, just gorgeous and big and huge and all over the place there. And I saw flowers. I saw trees. I, 
I saw grass, not like grass we have in America or any place on the earth, but I saw these things and it was so, the colors are so vibrant and there's no shadows, there's no shades. The light that's outside the building is the same light that's in the building. There's no shadows, there's no corner shadows, there's no anything. You're under a tree, there's no shadow under the tree. Every leaf looks a certain green color. It's like that all the way through. Uh, it's hard to explain because our finite minds can't comprehend it. I saw the river of life running through the city, just running right down through the city, running out into this great big sea. And it was beautiful. It was so nice. I saw two huge trees on either side of the river that were just gigantic. The leaves had to be three, four foot long. They almost looked like, you know how magnolia leaves are, you know, it, or, or it just came way down, but it was a leaf. It wasn't like a palm frond. It was an actual leaf and they were just huge. And the fruit on these trees, you know, I'm looking at there's 12 different fruits on the tree, you know, but they don't, it, it's funny because they'll be there and then another fruit will be there and another, but they, they just change. So I watched all of this happening and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so like mesmerized now. The horrible feeling that I had in hell was just the opposite of heaven. It was so euphoric up there. I'm like, yes, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to get back here, you know, for good, because I knew I couldn't stay, but I just knew this is I, this is where I want to be at. And, and angels are singing, and, and if you want to, you can sing too, and you sing perfectly with the angels. It's almost like one voice, you know. Uh, it's beautiful. I saw things in heaven like music. I learned something about music that is such a key to, to all of us on earth. I learned that music is heard by the spirit first before it's heard by the flesh. The spirit hears it. So, so it reacts to it. So if you hear God's music, worship music, your body's like, ah, and you want to praise the Lord. You know, your hands go up. And yeah. It's, it's just an automatic feeling because it's your spirit wanting to do that, causing your flesh to react. But when you hear worldly music, because Lucifer was the first one that God let music, he was in charge of music. God let him do that before he kicked it out of heaven. So he knew about music. So when he decided he was going to ruin stuff on earth, the music he creates doesn't make the spirit do that. You know, go, ah, yes, it makes your body move in ways you shouldn't move. You know, that's the way it's done. But the, the spirit is what picks that up first. That's just one of many things. But. I got to see that. But then the angel said, turn and look. Now, he was holding my right hand. So when he said, turn and look, I thought he meant turn this way to my left. And as I started to turn to my left, the angel says, no, turn towards me. And as I turned towards the angel and looked at him, he wasn't there. I still had his hand. I could feel it, but he wasn't there. I saw a timeline of the earth. I got to see how the earth was formed, how it was made. I watched it as it was a ball of water. I watched as God himself, his spirit came down and moved all over the waters of the earth, moved over every bit of it, went in through it, hovered over it, touched it, did stuff. You see, every ounce of water we have today, I'm not going to show a label here, every ounce of water we have today was here back then. Every drop of water we have today was here back then. We haven't gained any water and we haven't lost any water. So God's glory was all over that water. And it still is today if we start thinking about it. That's just one of the many things that I got to see. 
I watched as that happened. Then I watched as the land separated from the waters, you know, because he, and, and then he put, and this is something people don't realize is that he was on the water because water is going to bring life. And the first place he put life at is where? In the water. If you read the Bible in Genesis, uh -huh. he put life in the water first and then birds in the sky. And that's what he did. Mm -hmm. But life came out of the water. Even scientists today, they're all going, well, you know, we came from some amoeba that turned into a tadpole, <laughs> some kind of fish or something and it crawled up on the land and somehow turned into a monkey and then turned into a human. I mean, even they recognize that we came out of the water. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's not that we came out of the water. It's just the water was created for man, for woman, man and woman on earth for us. So, and, and our body is made up of like 70, 80% water. Our brains are 80% water. Uh, some people's brains might have more than 80% water. You know? <laughs> God has a sense of humor, okay? But I'm just saying that, you know, I got to see this. I got to watch this. I watched as Adam was made. I watched him as he breathed into the nostrils. You know, he just right into his nostrils. And Adam's like, ah. And see, what we don't understand is Adam knew everything instantly because his spirit was aligned with his brain 100%. 100% of his brain worked. And so he knew the language. He knew how to speak. He was able to talk to the animals. He was able to do anything and everything. And it was beautiful. So I watched this. I watched as they, you know, I watched everything happen. I watched what happened with Noah. I mean, Abraham, Noah, all of them. I watched all of that happening. I watched everything in the New Testament. I, I saw things that aren't in the Bible, okay? One day I'll write about some of them. I don't want to, you know, I don't want it to be something where people go, oh, he's trying to write another. No, I'm not trying to write it. A book in the Bible. That's not it. Our Bible's our Bible. I'm just telling you some of the things I saw. But I watched Jesus being crucified. You know, I also watched a lot of things that he did. I watched a lot of things that are apostles, disciples did. You know, even after Jesus was gone. I watched as the Holy Spirit came down and flooded everybody on the day of Pentecost. You know, I watched how that happened. I watched all types of things that happened. I saw things about wars that happened way, you know, after the Bible was written, things that have happened in, in our world. I got to see what happened through what we call the dark ages. I got to see things that were happening through life. And then I got to see all the way, in, way into the future of the earth. And I started, you know, I started seeing all these things. And Peggy, I saw things that are happening today. You know, I saw cell phones before they were invented. I saw tablets before they invented I saw what the internet was like. And, and you know why God wanted the TV, the radio, and all these things to, to allow to be invented? So that the word of God could go out. You know, that's the reason why. But unfortunately, we kind of gave up on it. We didn't do our part. Now we're trying to. Programs like yours, programs like I do too. You know, we're taking it back. We're, we've decided enough's enough. But I got to see these things. I saw a lot of things in the future. I saw things that were going to happen to different countries in the world. Now, I wrote about a book. Um, it's okay to show my book? Sure. Uh -huh. yeah. It's called A Journey to Hell, Heaven, and Back. And it's been a, a bestseller. It's, been, it's done really good. Sid Roth did the forward on it. It's uh, published by It's Supernatural Press. Uh, Destiny Publishing, basically, or Destiny Image, is who does it. But anyways, I wrote some stuff in my book. I wrote about what Russia is going to be doing, which they're doing. You know, I wrote about what China is going to be doing and things. I even wrote about plague-like illnesses coming out of China. And what did we just go through? 
you know, and, and I talked about things that were going to happen. I talked about these holes that were going to open up in the earth in Russia. They're huge holes, just unusual holes. Well, my book originally came out, it was, I self-published, it came out in 2013, oh, 20, April of 2014. I wrote it in 2013. Came out in April of 2014. In July of 2014, the Russian government started finding these big holes opening up in the earth that they can't explain. It looks like somebody took a drill and drilled down to the ground, 200 feet across. There's no drills that big, you know, because there's some dirt piled up around it. I didn't know that. Yeah, it, 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 it's not, it, it almost looked like an explosion, but it's not because an explosion things would be burnt up and dirt would be all over the place, but it's not it's just piled up around the hole. And they can't explain it. They did it. There was a program a Discovery Channel did called What on Earth? And they flew over these holes going, we don't know what to explain. We might be methane gas. We don't know. But God had me write it in the book that there'd be earthquakes and stuff. And it's in Siberia where it happened at in Russia. And the locals call it the end of the world, the end of the earth. I just thought that was pretty interesting. That's what they call that area where those holes are opening up. And they've always called it that. Do they continue so, to open up or? Yes, they still do. There's still some new holes that continue to open up huh. and they still can't explain. They just go there one day and all of a sudden there's a hole huh. and they can't explain it. Yeah. And they're huge, huge, huge holes. And that what on earth program uh, came out a few years I think in 2018 is when it came out, 2017 or 2018. Kind examining like sinkholes? They're not sinkholes, no. Sinkholes are completely different. So this has dirt piled up around the outside of it. And they don't know what caused them. I don't know what caused them. God didn't show me what caused them. He just showed me that they were there. And he, told me, he reminded me right about that in the book. I talked about rivers turning red in China. Guess what? Rivers have turned red in China overnight. And they can't explain why the rivers are turning red. You know, uh, this has been happening. A lake, there's been a lake that turned red. There's been other things that have been going on. A lot of the things that I wrote about, I wrote about the political climate changing in America. I wrote about a lot of things that were going to happen in America as well. But all of these things that were written, the things that have already come to pass have been exactly like was written. And so now there's a lot of things that haven't come to pass yet, trust me. So, like what? But, oh man, there's a, there's coming? an invention coming out <laughs> that, that is going to go into the ear, and it's going to be so tiny you're not going to see it. What and is? You're going to know it. What's that? What's going to go in the ear? It's this little little thing that's going to go in your ear, so that you can talk on your phone wherever you're at, even if your phone is a mile away from you. You'll still be able to connect with your phone. Wow. And it's it's an unusual type. It's beyond the Bluetooth. And this thing, you, you can push on your ear if you want to, to make a call, or you can just say the name and it'll call it. But you have to say, dial this number, you know, dial so-and-so's number and it'll dial it. So that's one of the things that have come. There's a, a major earthquake that's going to happen, or a major uh, volcanic eruption in the United States is going to happen. And, uh, and you got to remember, and I saw this in 1978, way before anybody ever discussed this before you know uh i saw certain things were going to happen in america riots and different things that are happening uh and there's still more to come there's so much more that's going to be coming we're going to see some we're going to actually see a lot of the the uh liberal progressive things overturned in our country we're going to watch that be overturned it's coming 
Good. Uh, yeah, I'm watching this happen. So, you know, from I got to see it all happen. So, yeah, there's there's things that are coming. I, I don't want to get too political on you, but, you know, there's a lot of things coming. Um, I saw things in Europe that were going to happen. There's still things waiting to happen there in Russia. Uh, in fact, give me a second. And I'll read a little excerpt that I, I wrote and we can just see this and maybe it'll make sense. Just a paragraph long. It says Russia will become beautiful. Excuse me. Russia will become boastful for a time, seeming to be the big bear again. But that will collapse because the people will not want to be ruled like that again. The Russian people are proud. They take pride in their ways, but they no longer want. They no longer want war. They want to live in peace. They're good people, and they have learned to live with hardships and live a difficult life compared to most other standards of the world. And they have not only survived, but they have proven they are strong people. Well, what's going on today? Russia is trying to be the big bear again. You know, he's claiming that he's going to do this, he's going to do that, and everything else. But his people don't want that. They really don't want that. And, and so this big bear that they're trying to become again, the Soviet Union, that's what he's wanting to, to gain back. It's not going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. So his people, it's not just that the rest of the world doesn't want it. His people don't want it. So I'm just telling you, these are just some of the things you asked. So I had that set up and ready. So that's very current for today. So I, I saw so many things that were happening. I saw all these things going on in the future. And it's just so much, Peggy. And then it was time to go back. And I, I didn't want to go back, but I didn't want to go to hell. So, because that's where I'd have to go. So the angel said, okay, here's God's giving you these gifts. When you go back, you now have these certain gifts that you'll be able to operate in and do as, when time comes. But the angel said, you have to keep silent about this. You can tell someone that you died that you went to hell and heaven and you saw some wonderful things and some horrible things, but you can't discuss it until either I tell you so, or the Holy Spirit tells you so, or God tells you so. God's the one who'll decide who to send. So I was sent back to earth, not happy, but I was. And I, I get to the room where I'm at, I'm, I'm dead, you know, in that bed. And this girl evidently had called the, the ambulance people. This 1978. We didn't call them. Didn't call them all paramedics back then. They were just called ambulance drivers. You know? <laughs> the rescue people, you know. So they were in my room, and this girl, of course, was outside the room in the hallway, screaming constantly, because uh, I was dead. I mean, I was so dead that the blood had already started to coagulate in my wrist and my elbow and shoulders and in my joints and my body. It wasn't total rigor mortis or anything, but it was. You could tell it was coagulating in there. Had it had and already watched, reached the three hour point by then? Yes. Okay. So the the paramedic, the, if you want to call him that, that came in, the first one, he's a little heavier set guy, you know, stockier guy, and the other thinner, taller guy was standing back by the door trying to keep that girl out. And the other guy came up to me, just touched me up under here, looked at me, and just turned around, shook his head to the other, looked over his right shoulder, shook his head like, no. And so he stood up and didn't have to really bend down too much, but he stood up straight and they walked out of the room to call the morgue. There wasn't anything to do to me. I was way far gone. I mean, you could tell my body temperature was cold. 
there was. Were you in your body at that moment or watching outside no, of it? I was watching it from outside my body. So I'm watching and I see them in the living room, well, the kitchen living room area. And he's he asked a girl where my phone was and he picked up the phone and he was, I had one of those dial phones. Okay. So he was dialing the number for the morgue. And he was getting ready to talk to him on the morgue. He was saying some stuff to him. And I guess the morgue asked him a couple questions. And the guy says, uh, I don't know. And he's looking at this girl screaming. Now she's out in the living room screaming away. And, it, and he finally kind of whispered to the other guy and said, hey, listen, you need to go check this guy out. Maybe he's stabbed or shot. We don't know who she is. You know, we can't let her go right now. So they came back in the room to check on me. And I'm watching him come back in the room. And both of them did. And when he went to to touch to see if I was bleeding or anything, and I'm still on my left side. Just as he put his hand down there to touch me, I came back to life. Now I joke around. I say, I scared him to death, scared me to life. You know? <laughs> Cause he just jumped back. Cause that's just like, you know, I just went. <sighs> Thank <sighs> God I think supposed to do that. <laughs> no. And, and it was, it was like somebody had hit me with 240 or 440 volts of electricity because I can remember I tried to get when I came back into my body I'm like ah, nothing would move nothing would work and I'm like trying to shake my body I'm like and it, ah, 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 you know and nothing worked I mean I was trying to talk and my mouth wouldn't work right my tongue didn't work right and my body I was cold I was really cold yeah and I can remember you know the, the guy sitting there and and i'm blinking my eyes and i'm looking at him and he's like you know he's hollering at the other guy hey hey you know <laughs> hey uh uh so the other guy hangs up the phone and he comes right in there and of course the girl standing out in the hallway she sees me uh this is way before zombie movies she thinks i'm a zombie or something you know <laughs> she's scared to death she's screaming even worse these paramedics or ambulance drivers you know people rescue people they're there they don't know what to do you know, they're telling me they want to take me to the hospital. And I'm like, no, no. It's the only word I could get out of my mouth was no. And I, I couldn't even shake my head no. I was trying to. It just wouldn't work right. And finally, it starts to work a little bit. And I'm late. And I get them to let me get on my back from my side. And I'm like, no, no, no. I could say no. And they were trying to get me up, you know, try to do something with me. I finally helped me. Help, help me. <sighs> I wanted, I wanted to get out of the bed. I was like motioning, like, I want to get out of the bed. And so I had those padded rails on my water bed. You know? And it was up high because I had two sets of drawers underneath it. So it was about, you know, up to here on them. So they're helping me, you know, get up. And I'm trying to get up. And I finally sit up. And it's like, whoa, my body did not. It felt weird. And so I got them to help me get my legs over the railing and I stood up and go, I tell you what, my legs did not want to work when I stood up. They were feeling really weird. And I had strength in them, but they didn't want to move. <laughs> you know? They felt like they both weighed two tons a piece. And finally, I got my feet to move a little bit. They're helping me. And I'm I'm still saying, no, you know, go, we got to go take you to the hospital. You know, we're going to go get the gurney. We're going to bring it in here. No, no, no. Well, something happened to you. No, you know. Finally, other words started coming out after about 10 minutes. And I'm saying, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. 
And so I'm, I'm getting them towards the door and I'm telling them, no, thank you. No, I'm not going. No. And I pushed them. I got trying to get them out the door. And here's this girl standing in my living room screaming bloody murder. That's all she did. She just ah! constantly. My ears were hurting from her screaming. <laughs> she had a coat on a chair and her purse on the chair. And I grabbed them to hand them to her and she wouldn't touch them for me. She's like, no, 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 no. I said, well, go, take, go, you know? So I got her to take them and she goes over by the door too. I got them all out the door. I locked the door. I had like two big locks on it. Now I was in a basement apartment. All right. I had bars on my windows so you couldn't get in, but you also couldn't get out. <laughs> they weren't the right kind of bars. And I, I'm in this apartment up in Michigan when this happened. And, uh, it, it was bad, but I had drugs, a whole bunch of drugs that came in from the country of Belize in my closet. So I had to get rid of some kilos of cocaine. I had to get rid of some marijuana. And the only place you can get rid of it is in the toilet. And marijuana does not flush. I found that out. You know, it doesn't oh. go down. You have to put toilet paper on it and wet it <laughs> to get it to go down. You know, the cocaine, you can pour in there and it goes away. But I got rid of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. I got rid of it. I wanted my life changed. I didn't never want to go back to hell. I knew what happened to me. So I dumped the drugs, the alcohol that she left. I dumped that out. And now it's about 1230, 1240, somewhere around there. And I go and I sit down. I had this little avocado green rocking chair, Peggy. I sat in that rocking chair and I cried all night long. I went through two rolls of toilet paper. I was a bachelor, okay? We don't get boxes of Kleenex. We get toilet paper. <laughs> and I went through two rolls of toilet paper blowing that much because I cried. and was so repentant of my stuff. But that's the basics. Just to let you know what happened to me, I changed my life. I've never been the same. But I had to wait 35 years before I could tell anybody anything and uh, get the documentation from the hospital that I was in you know, before and everything else. So, yeah. So what made you know it was time to tell? I was visited by the angel. The angel came and told me. And that, was, that happened on August 17th, of 2013. Just came and said, I want you, you know, the Lord wants you to write a book. And of course, I laughed because um, I'm ADHD. We don't write books. We write <laughs> sentences every now and then. Maybe not even complete sentences. <laughs> I mean, I, I could write. I used to write TV commercials. So I could write a TV commercial because that's, you know, that's one page. It might take me a week, but I can get it done. <laughs> I had the creative mind for that, but I could not write a book, but I sat down in one and I just pulled up my laptop and I was typing. I thought I'd only type for about an hour. I guess it was four hours that I, I finally realized I was typing. I only got eight pages done. And I thought, well, that's what he means. He just wants me to write my testimony down. So I gave it to a couple of people and said, what do you think? And everybody said, there's no details. So what do you mean there's no details? I'm telling you what happened to me. There's no details. And I gave it to several, and everybody said the exact same thing. And I went back to my place I was living at. And I sat down kind of frustrated. And I'm holding this eight pages in my hand. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with this? This is ridiculous. I'm, I really messed it up. God says, no, you didn't. That's your outline. Now take each each paragraph. And that's going to be your chapter. I went, what? He says, yep, you're just going to take it and you're going to write it. So start writing exactly everything you saw, everything that happened. And I went, ah, got it. 
So that's how the book became a book. And I wrote it from uh, August, the middle of August. Uh, I was done uh, by, by the 10th of October. So yeah, that's what I did too. I wrote mine in three months. Did you? Yeah. And they then just come you know, to I me one day, I grabbed my laptop and I just started writing and I didn't hardly stop to eat and sleep. And I just, I just kept on going. And I was like you before I would just, I would tell my staff, like I was reading a grocery list, just real short and not feeling it, not going to the details, not really experiencing it just because the shock of just telling it was enough. Yes. You know, and wait for somebody's reaction to look at you like you're weird. And then you can shut up. You know, why would you go through the whole thing? <laughs> well, evidently I'm weird because I've told a lot of people that I, I've gotten that look. I know what you mean, you know. And, you know, now I, I, I told a few people that I had died once, but the hell have they came back. And they wanted to know, well, what did you see? And I tell them, well, I can't talk about it yet. And that really makes you look like you're some kind of idiot, you know. So, but I, I just, it's like I can't. You're not allowed to, you just don't do it, you know. What do you value most, you know? I wanted to obey God. That's the that's the number one thing I had to do was to yeah. obey the Lord. You know, I regret not being able to tell mine the way I do now back then. But you know, there wasn't even a book that I knew I would even have a name what it was called. And then when I realized what it was called and I heard other people's, I didn't realize that's what mine was. I wasn't identifying, yeah, I did that too. It was just like why am I so interested in this? I'm just like drawn, like I never been drawn to anything. And it took a long time for me to wait a minute. It was what I had one of those because I'd buried it so deep. I really didn't let it come out. And, and I would hear people be on stage and tell their story. And I'm like, that must be the best feeling in the whole world. You know, <laughs> oh man, I yeah. wish I could do that. But my story, you know, it's just so personal and so tiny. And, and then it, it and the first time I seen on internet where it says, um, I typed in uh, NDEs. I learned what it was called. I'm going to look this up. You know, I looked at a few books and, and those were great. But, and because um, I realized that's what mine was. And it, first thing I found was NDRF and it says, submit your story where you could type it in. And I just grabbed that thing. I sit on the floor and just, I couldn't get in fast enough. You know, like there, I did it. That I'll never forget that feeling. Wow! It just got I, it out I, there. Yeah. I thought that would be it. Well, what happened when I wrote my my first eight pages is that when I got up from the sofa, there was this sweet smelling aroma in my apartment then, and I was like, "What is that? Where is that? Where's that coming from?" I'm running through my whole apartment looking to find out where that smell is coming from. And I'm running, I go to the front door and I'm like, and I have a good nose. So I'm like sniffing the front door and that sounds crazy. But I'm like, is it from somebody outside? And I'm like, no, it's right here in this room. Oh, it's the smell of heaven. Yeah. It was there. It was like God sent his angel to say, hey, guess what? You're doing the right thing. This is the first step. And it was, it was such an unusual thing to have, have happened. You know, it was very unusual. So, yeah. but God has, you know, God has blessed, you know, I, I travel all over the world now. Now with COVID, I haven't been traveling around the world that much before, you know, since then. But, you know, I just go all over. You know, God has just been opening up doors for me. And uh, I don't need the vaccine. I already had COVID, got rid of it. 
Uh, I got tested over a year and a half, almost a year, three months ago. So I, I go and I, I got tested the other day. Hey, do I have antibodies? I'm sure I do. You know, they tell you after three months, you don't have any antibodies. Yeah, baloney. I have so many antibodies, that test went haywire on me, you know. Like, yep, you've got antibodies. You know, don't worry about it. And because God gave us those to protect us. But, you know, I, I, I don't need the vaccine. I'm not going to take it. And uh, I've been around people with full-blown COVID. I've never gotten it at all since then, since I had it. And God is just blessed. I, I see people all the time. I go, and listen, during, during COVID, I went to places on my own dime. I paid for my own self to go there. I wouldn't take an offering from them. I did all kinds of stuff. And I did that for free because God said to do it 100% free. Now, I don't charge. So don't think that. But I just wouldn't take anything from them. And I paid my own way because people needed to hear a story. They need to hear a story about God and in, in, in the supernatural and and understand that there's things out there and God cares, you know. So yeah. Yeah, so, there's now, nothing like um being in a group of people live and telling your NDE. I mean, it's one thing I think, you know, on a podcast, but there's something happens, I think, when you're just around people and i mean i just start i feel like i'm levitating like something just takes over there's no self-consciousness you know like normally i would be so shy i wouldn't dream of speaking in front of people but with when it comes to this it just something just takes over and i yes. just i i love that feeling well peggy you know what it is and i don't think you realize this yet but if anybody's been to heaven when you come back to earth you release the glory of god so wherever you go at and you tell the story about what happened to you in heaven, you're releasing the glory of God, whether it's through the airwaves, whether it's in person, wherever it's at, whenever you give it. Yeah, it's much you see the results of it and you see people just get like, whoa, you know, and because you go to places and the glory of God just follows you wherever you go. And, and when you tell it, it's like something's glowing inside you and yeah. it comes out. It's the glory of God. That's yeah, what and it, it stays after you walk away and leave. It just like lingers, and it's like I love it. <laughs> First time I had, yeah, it's like I I'm hooked on a feeling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's it's beautiful, Peggy. <clears throat> this this is the this is the reason why you and I and, and a few other people have had these experiences because God wants us to come back, let people know, hey, there is something. It's real. I'm letting some people experience some things. Uh, hell was real for me and heaven's real for me. It, it, but all of these things, God, God gave me a mandate to release the glory wherever I go, you know, just release the glory on people. So I do that after I speak, I, I allow that to happen, you know, because that's what we were sent back to do. Anybody that's been in heaven has been in the presence of God. We were able to release the glory of God wherever we go. The more we start releasing it, the more it comes on us and the more we're able to do more of it. And so just keep releasing it on people. And, and the more you release it on it. people. Yeah. It's, you can't, it's a feeling you can't get anyplace else. You know that. Yeah. I mean, the effect it has on people. I'll even find out later the effect it had that people I wouldn't even guessed. And, yeah. and, you know, it took me a while to realize that it's just not me that's feeling that. And that is touched by it. It's like something opens up and it is physically in the room. Yes, it, it is. And, and it's, I, I, listen, 
I've been in places where people get healed from cancer. You know, uh, a man gets up and starts walking. They couldn't walk. Uh, somebody that's blind in the right eye or left eye starts seeing. They only had 60% vision. Now they have 100% vision in their eye. Uh, people that can't hear. This one man was deaf in his right ear and he starts hearing again. You know, when you start seeing these things happening because the glory of God is in the room, you know, because you spoke about something, you brought, guess what we're doing is we're bringing a little bit of heaven on earth. And so that's kind of what I, the way I look at it. And so people get this, like at the meetings I go to, wherever I go at, there's something happening. People are getting healed. The lady just got healed from something that was going on in her stomach. I mean, these are documented things that have come in. I, like I was up in Michigan, in Lansing, Michigan, and I, I left from up there almost two weeks ago, uh, at least a week and a half, almost two. It'll be two weeks this Friday that I started up there. And I get reports just about every day of things that are going on up there. You know, and these people that got the glory of God when the glory is released on them, they're now taking that and they're releasing it on other people that don't know anything about God really, or they might know about God, but they want a deeper walk. So they're going up and laying hands on them and they're getting the glory. And it just transfers over and it's growing constantly. And it's like a great, it's not even, I don't want to call it a revival because revival means something's dead and has to be back, brought back. I am a revival. So are you, we're both revivals. We were revived from death. Somehow God did it. And so we have this glory that we can put on people. And instead of being a revival, it's just the glory of God that'll never die. And they can take it. And the more they give it away, the more they get back in return. The more you give it away, the more God gives you to give. So every time you give it away. Now, we, we're, we're destined to do that, whether we realize it or not, because we were in heaven. We were in the glory of God. We have it on us. We need to give it away. And the more we give it away, the more God keeps filling us up with it. So, yeah. Do you ever also feel demonic spirit coming in? Oh, yeah. I see them all the time. I actually, that's one of the gifts that I'm able to see into the spirit realm. So I can see. In fact, one of the other gifts I have is that, um, and, and people hate it when I tell them, but if I look in your eyes, I instantly know just about everything about you. And that's just what happens in a, and, I, and I'll say that when I'm speaking and I see people going like this, you know, trying to cover their eyes. <laughs> I'm like, God's not going to embarrass you and tell you, I'm not going to sit here and say all of that. Just because God shows it to me doesn't mean I'm supposed to expose it to you, you know, or tell people. It's just God allows me to see stuff in people. And uh, when God shows me, he shows me, you know, and, and, and there's things that the Lord will let me talk about. Like I go to pray with somebody, you know. I'll just say, okay, God's going to heal that shoulder now. And they're like, how do you know it's my shoulder? You know, and it's, it's different than a word of knowledge. It is, it is a word of knowledge, but it's done differently, you know, and it's, it's moving. It's, it's, it, these are things that just happen. You know, God gives you certain things and I see the demonic all the time, but here's the, here's the key. I'm not afraid of the demons. I'm not afraid of them because when I was in hell, they had complete control of me. But since I've been back on earth and I have, I get the spirit of the Lord in me. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me at all times. They can't do it. I mean, could they hurt me? Can they hit me? Yeah. And guess what? If they kill me, God's going to bring me right to heaven. So I win no matter what. But they can't do that to me because I've just said no. I rebuke them. I don't let them speak. I don't let them be a part of anything. I tell them to leave and they got to leave. I don't put up with it. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in 
that part of the ministry too. I don't advertise it or say anything, but when I'm in a meeting and I see it, I'm going to get rid of it. That's it. I don't care if it's on a preacher or if it's on, you know, a bad person that walks through the door. I'm just going to, if God tells me to get rid of it, I'll get rid of it. So you just, why? Of course I was in hell too. So I know, I know what demons look like. I can smell them. I can sense them. I can see them. Do you feel like you're a target for them? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You too, huh? Yeah. I feel like a target. Yeah. Well, you know why you're a target? We're a target because we've got something that very few people on earth have. We were given an experience that very few people on earth were given. And because of these things that we've been given, we're able to reach and tap into heaven that other people can't in a different way. And believe me, Satan does not like that. Lucifer does not like that. He doesn't like it. You know, he's trying to, everything that he does is an imitation of what you and I have for real. So, yeah. Yeah. But hopefully that's, that's answering most of your questions that you have. Yeah. Ask anything you want. I'll be, oh, cardiomyopathy. Okay. Remember I told you about that? Yeah. So since I've been back, you know, God healed me. Now you can't, unless you have a heart transplant, you can't get healed from cardiomyopathy. You have to have a completely new heart because your heart is destroyed. It's genetic. It's genetically disposed. It's the muscles are too thick. They're never going to pump right. They can't do it. They do ablations where they kind of thin it down to make you live a little longer. That's about all they can do. They go inside your heart and they cut the muscle away and try to make it thinner so that it's more flexible. But it only works temporarily, very temporary. Well, I've never had anything done to my heart. And I can tell you, uh, I'm, I'm not... 26 anymore or 21 so they said that there's a certain onset type of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy because it's impossible to get rid of it and being that everybody in my family has it my sister carolyn byro that was her name she started the first cardiomyopathy foundation in the world out of england you can look up her name you can google her name carolyn byro cardiomyopathy and she started it and they have a whole thing about her and um even with a heart transplant, she couldn't make it because everything just failed. But um, I'm telling you, our family was the one they found the marker in. It was in my blood. The marker was in my blood. I had it. I already had diagnosed, been diagnosed with it. I don't have it anymore. And I was telling my regular physician that I moved to Tennessee where I live at now. And I t- was telling my physician and she said, well, you got to go see a specialist. We need to make sure, you know. All right. So I went to this cardiologist. I'm telling the cardiologist, he's going, yeah, yeah well, you, you just think you have. You, you have it. Trust me. I know you do. And, you know, if your family has it, you can't, it doesn't skip anybody. I said, it didn't skip me. I just don't have it anymore. God healed me. All right. Well, you know, and he says, we're going to run some tests on you. And he says, and, and the test, I guess he called, his office called up. They scheduled this Doppler thing for me for on a Thursday. And the doctor comes back in the room. And he says, okay, now, he says, you're going in there Thursday. Here's the thing. This is where you're going to go with. You know, uh, they do this test on you. He says, if I see anything wrong with you, I'll call you on Monday. All right. So I went in there, did the test, knowing full well I don't have it. Go do the test. And Monday, my phone rings. And I looked at my phone. It was a doctor's office. It was a cardiologist. 
I'm like, what's this about, you know? So I answered the phone and it's his assistant, this gentleman, a physician's assistant. And he says, uh, Mr. Cuddle, I said, yeah. I said, you're not supposed to call me unless something's wrong. And I know nothing's wrong with my heart. He says, well, actually, um, uh, there is nothing wrong with your heart at all. The doctor wants to still see you in two weeks. He wants to talk to you for a few moments. I said, well, is there something wrong? He says, no, nothing's wrong. He just wants to talk to you. So I said, all right. And I hung up the phone two weeks later. I go in the doctor's office and we're sitting there and he goes, well, he says, I, I waited for the two weeks because I, I, I sent away to get the information on you to find out about you having cardiomyopathy before. You had cardiomyopathy before. It's proven. He says, you have no scars. You had no heart transplant. You had nothing else done. You have no cardiomyopathy. None. He says, in fact, now, okay, so I'm like, I'm 70 years old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a youthful 70 because I, I, I'm always going. Uh, plus, I had I died when I was 26. So I could take 26 years off my life. I'm still in my 50s. So I was reborn. So, you know, the doctor said my heart was like somebody 35 to 40 years of age. And that's pretty good. That's 30, 35 years younger than what I am. Yeah. So I just praise God that, you know, my heart's in really good shape. Now, like you said, it doesn't mean you won't drop dead, you know, walk out of the office and have a heart attack, drop dead. But he said, right now your heart looks great. And he says, I just wanted to tell you, you don't have to ever have this test done again. If you don't have it by this age, you will never get the late onset. You usually get that around 60, 62. Latest case they have documented is 65. He says, you're 70. You don't have it. So anyways, I just thought I'd bring that up. That's just one of the miracles that God did. Yes. You know? A couple of years ago, I was working on the pipeline and I collapsed. And they took me to a place where SWAT could come get me. And they took me to the hospital and they admitted me and they did a stress test. And they said, you got to um, have a heart cath and um, going in the heart cath. You don't know if you're going to, they tell you, you don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. You, we might have to do surgery. It might be just something put in a stent. We don't know. And so went in for the heart cath and I'm waving to everybody bye <laughs> you know I'm good like I didn't care you know what happened and right. they pulled me out five minutes later and they said there's nothing wrong with your heart you have the heart of a 19 year old oh, like, wow. okay. <laughs> and I said well what did you see on there it's like well you know we saw something but you'll have to follow up I never did because you know you tell me you got a heart of a 19 year old why would I go see a heart doctor so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. It was good to get a confirmation again. I already had the confirmation like 20 years ago that there wasn't anything wrong with my heart. And then I think 10 years ago and now a year ago, I had it done again. So it's like getting these confirmations, you know, this doctor actually went through all the hoops, you know, finding out. See, my, my sister just started the Cardiomyopathy Foundation. Her husband was a geneticist at the University of London. He had full professorship rights. Uh, I don't know if he was the one that did it or if one of his fellow members did, but they were able to locate the gene that causes it. And I don't have it anymore. Wow. Not there. Now I have a son. He was born after all this. He doesn't have it either. But see, awesome. but the rest of my family, my siblings, their children have it, their grandchildren have it, and one of them has great grandkids, and they have it. 
So it's and like, you actually died of it, right? I mean, is that well, I died because of the blood clot, which was created because the heart's not pumping good enough. Gotcha. So yes, you could say yes. Okay. That was that was part of what caused it. Yes. I don't have it. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't get to cover? Uh, no, just, you know, hey, if they want to, uh, it's okay to put a plug in for the book. If they want a book, sure. you know, they can go to, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any place you can buy books, it's there because uh, it's a traditional publisher. Uh, and you can go to my website, which is just ivantuttle.com. You can go there, you can get the books from there as well. So, okay. but uh, yeah, if you want me to come to your church, have your pastor call me. <laughs> That's about okay. it. Do you want to give your email so they have it? Uh, yes, it's just info at ivantuttle.com. Okay. Just info at ivantuttle.com. So uh, that's how people can get in touch with me, if they're, especially if they're a pastor of a church or congregation or something. And uh, I come. So I, And again, I just want you to know, I don't charge people to take a love offering. You know, just like most people, you got to have your expenses covered to get there. But other than that, that's it, you know. Yeah. But I love doing what I do. I just love doing this for God. You know, it's... It's nothing like it, man. It's just, right. I've been doing this for a number of, for about five years now and six years, take that back almost eight years. And I've been, I've been to Korea, spoken churches wow. over there. They had thousands and thousands, 15,000 people, you know, uh, others have been in, in Germany. I've been in, in Italy, been all over. Just love it. Love going there. Love talking about God. Love talking about what God did. I'm humbled that God uses me, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I, it's like, man, this is the most the greatest thing in the world. And I, I do plan on doing at least 40 weekends or 40 weeks a year. I'll work really hard. You know, I might, I'm, I'm going to work on trying to get up to um, 45 to 50 weeks a year because I enjoy it that much because I do speak at a local church when I'm not traveling. So, okay. Uh, I do that. At the fire church here in Murfreesboro. So, are you a minister? Yeah, I do that. Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So well, if you, ever wanna, if you ever want to join no, us online, I just started last Sunday um, a church for you two. That's what I call it. It's on my podcast. And it's last Sunday was our first. And Saturday, we get together at 11 Eastern, some of us, and we just come up with something. And I mean, like I say, it was la first time last week. And so I'm always looking for ministers to to help us out. Sure. <laughs> if you ever want to yeah. join us, just yeah. email me when you're not I'll, busy. I'll do that. Yeah, I, I would love to do that sometime. That would be kind of fun to do. I like doing that. Okay. So, yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Peggy. God bless. Bye.